Hello and welcome to the AC Podcast. My name is Troy. I am here today with a dear friend of mine, Corwin Thiessen. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing fantastic, brother. It's good to be here. Good to have you. Good to have you on the show. Uh, listeners, for those of you who don't know Corwin, Corwin Thiessen was born in Saskatoon and has worked with Saskatoon Youth for Christ, focusing on student leadership development, creative programming, and design. He's taken on significant leadership roles at YFC with California Breakaway, Dimension 4, Project Serve, and Gym Blast. He is, also, he is well known as the Gym Blast guy on social media. Um, previously, he has worked as a greenhouse assistant, a server for Moxies, a sales associate, and as a youth pastor. He has a bachelor's in Christian ministry. I wear many hats. Uh, yeah. I'm the communications director. I'm also the director of a few different programs and all the marketing and a lot of the just communications for the organization and making sure that what we're communicating out to the community and to partners is consistent and um, alignment in that and making sure that it looks good and that it's uh, serving well. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Corwin is a dear friend of mine. We've, how long have we known each other now? Has it been coming up on four years, five years? Yeah. I think we had that conversation in 2018. And then we oh got you gosh. on on, uh, on Cal Break in 2019. So yeah, going on five years. That is that's awesome. That's awesome. So yeah, like you said, you wear many hats. They don't even. It doesn't even really talk about how gifted of a musician you are yourself. Oh, I appreciate that, man. Some of that bio needs to be updated. Like that goes way back. I mean, like <laughs> worked at Moxie's. That was like my first job out of high school. So <laughs> that's like hey. a long time ago. Right, right. No problem, no problem. People need to know that uh, <laughs> you you can you can serve food well or cook well. What what would you say was your you were better at? No, what did you it do? was it was serving definitely. In fact, back then, Moxie's used to run birthdays, little mocha mud pies out to people oh. with birthdays that they played a song. Or it wasn't it wasn't as bougie as it is now. It was more like right. a diner style. And I used to okay. love running those birthdays. And people used to pay me who worked there. They other servers paid me to run their birthdays because they hated it. So I'd run around, I'd do like a whole song and dance. I would like, yeah, I made some money doing that. It was cool. There you go. There you go. That's awesome. <laughs> That's really cool. And so like like we said, he is now working with Youth for Christ in, in Saskatoon. How did you, after all the jobs you've had and experiences, how did you get into that? It was beautiful, really, because I feel like God was giving me all these opportunities to find more about myself, what makes me tick. Um, every time I stepped in faith out of my comfort zone, he kind of pulled back that curtain and revealed more about uh, his will for my life. And so mm -hmm. after I graduated from Bethany College, I did many jobs. I worked at camp for a while. I was doing some music. I was doing missions to Nicaragua. And this one summer at camp, you know, it all came together. And one of the directors of, of YFC in Saskatoon wanted a gym blast guy, someone to do upfront hype stuff with students and thought it was could be a good fit for me. And uh, discovered that YFC, all of those beautiful expressions that I was doing was were finally under one roof. And yeah. it was it was incredible. So I got to have that performance thing. I got to do uh, missions with youth. I got to do camp. I got to do all these beautiful things that, that God had kind of been, been kind of setting me up for. And uh, it was a beautiful landing spot for me. And, and I just have been able to be challenged and... Uh, kind of propelled into ministry for now it's been like almost 22 years. Wow. 22 years. That's, that's killer. Um, I, I, I got a question for you. Cause I remember when I was in Bible college, I was, 
uh, part of some of our gym blast team when we had uh when we would have a youth conference and that sort of thing and i man youth young kids and gym blasts overwhelm me like crazy trying to come up with cool <laughs> ideas so for for starters man i don't know how you do that but what would a typical gym blast look like for you like if you had your way perfect case scenario what would that look like well, a perfect case scenario, it would look like a WWE event where I would <laughs> I would come in from from the ceiling, the lights would you know, be like there'd be cables, <laughs> there'd be fire, you know, there would be explosions, lasers. Yeah. That'd be my perfect scenario. Um yeah. we don't necessarily have that kind of setup, but um <laughs> just creating hype that you know, going to a, a school and be able to work with student leaders to empower them in their leadership, to give them tools to help lead their team well to um, go into schools and show the power of, of positivity and encouragement and fair play and teamwork. All the games are designed to be games where you have to work together. Individual effort doesn't matter. I tell my leaders all the time on those teams, I don't care if you think your team is stacked with all the athletes, if they can't work together to do these tasks, you're not going to do well. And so it's That's all true. these beautiful, you know, learning moments and hype it up, play some, some really good music get them dancing. So that's kind of evolved. I was able to go to a youth conference um, that YFC Vancouver Youth Unlimited was doing in Kamloops called History Maker. That was back in the mid 2000s. Oh, History Maker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I got to meet Andy Hunter, DJ from uh, from England. And wow. so I got to meet him and see how he was using dance in worship and creating kind of like a club atmosphere, but also integrating worship into it. And mm-hmm. I understand kind of like something went off in my head where I'm like, that's so cool. If I could integrate some of that dance party dynamic into gym blast. So I kind of learned kind of how to DJ and how to get the hype going. So that was a beautiful kind of transition in gym blast where it becomes like half dance party, half competition. So all the kids can, can really engage. And when you leave a school yeah. and they say, man, that was the best thing of the entire year. We look forward to this every year to see how the teachers um, just respect the fact that we can come in and have that authority to to manage the energy in the room because it's easy to get kids hyped up, but then to get them right. to, to be quiet too and to get them to listen and, and all those things. So it's been a really cool way for us to serve schools. And it's also yeah. a, then a stepping stone for us to be able to uh, let students know about other opportunities and things coming on in the community for them to get plugged into, um, to develop them as leaders. And so it's pretty cool. Yeah, give, give us a little bit of your, I guess, your your upbringing or your background. Like, how, like, were you always wanting to be someone who worked with youth in, in the church? Did you grow up in the church? Were your parents Christians, that sort of thing? Yeah, my family, I'm very blessed to have a family that has a rich faith. And so as a, as a kid, I went to actually two youth groups as a teenager. Uh, I went to my, my home church was in a town other than, I grew up in a small, small town, a farm community. Uh, kind of classic Mennonite community, so very conservative, very black and white, and so our, oh, boy, yo, there you yeah, go. Yeah, oh, oh, go to church, oh, go to youth group. Um, so yeah, we'd go to to uh, a local a, a town nearby for church, and then I got plugged into the youth group at the Mennonite church in my hometown as well. So I was going to kind of two youth groups. Honestly, I like the girls better in the other youth group, so. That's kind of why I was 
had my my foot in both worlds, you know. Um, <laughs> I had my buddies were all in, the, in my you know in my hometown. My buddies were in that youth group, but then all the girls that I liked were in the other youth. You know, that's a driving right, right. a driving force when you're a teenager. Come on, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just go where they go. I'll just go there. Um, that's right. So I had a rich history of faith, and I was very very blessed to have that in my in my legacy. One of the things that I was always drawn to was being in front of people. I think that was something I learned early on. My mom said I was singing on the back of the end gate of the truck before I was even talking. Don't know why I was standing on the end gate of a truck when I was before I could talk. <laughs> that seems a little dangerous, but those are the- yeah, we'll we'll cover that later. <laughs> <laughs> but those are the days where the arm of the parent was the seatbelt. So that was you know good. Right. Yeah. Back back then. Um, so I was drawn to to doing music at church. I was given opportunities to uh, to kind of figure out how those gifts work and how to be able to use my gifts to to bless others and learning about public speaking. And I was always wanting to be involved with things. Part of that is I think I'm a very controlling person. So to do things where I could be in control of things and help control the narrative. And yeah. in a small town, there's not a lot of people that have tons of ambition. So I was able to to really do a lot of cool things and, and learn a lot. Um, about just how to how to lead and how to manage things, and so from that I developed a love of of music and worship, and um, so that was actually going to be my my main focus. Leaving uh, school was going okay. to I was going to go to Nashville. I was going to be the next Stephen yes. Cur- the next Stephen Curtis Chapman. That was going to yeah. be my story. Um, I even grew the mullet out just to look like Stephen. Oh. Yeah. It was good. I'm gonna need to see a photo later. But it, it's anyway. good. I, it was. It was well. It was well. Not. Not. I have no hair, but I guess that's that's what you get. <laughs> so you, you got to own it when you have it, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. He's got to you know shoot your shots. So yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, and so they ended up at Bethany because that's where God called me to. And ironically, I was going to go far away to you know college and kind of pursue that dream, and yet God called me to stay in my hometown where Bethany College was. And stay there and end up going three years and um, wasn't actually intending to do youth ministry, but uh, an experience in Nicaragua in my third year, kind of, again, that step in faith out of my comfort zone and God kind of pulled back the curtain. I'm like, all right, God, what do you have for me? And he showed me this whole other side of ministry that I didn't realize I would be drawn to and passionate to. So yeah, it's been, it's been a really, really cool ride. That's really cool. So you kind of just collided into into youth ministry. Uh, that's it's really that's really interesting because I know when when I was in Bible college, um, the time I spent there, you, it almost felt as though I needed to know exactly what I wanted to do when I came out. And and even if I talked to some people, they would have said, "Man, I want to be a pastor. I want to be." They knew exactly what they wanted to be. So it's really it's really cool to hear from you that it was something that just kind of organically you know, God walked you into and you just, yeah, you ended up loving it, finding a passion for it. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's actually pretty funny to me because I remember distinctly grade 12, we had a, as a, as a grad, we had this grad kind of commissioning service and people prayed for us to say, you know, like the future, where, where, where is God going to take you? And I remember distinctly praying, you know what, Jesus, my life is yours, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, I will do except for the following things. Number one, <laughs> number one, do not send me to serve in some third world country, some poor country. Not, I'm not really more of an indoor kind of guy. Um, number two, don't send me to summer camp. Not a big fan of the summer camp. 
I heard rumors that they serve horse meat. This is maybe like, <laughs> I don't know if that's true. Maybe your <laughs> listeners know of some incidences, why that is a thing where people think, um, definitely was two things that I did not want to do. Did not want to serve a camp, did not want to go to a third world country and do any kind of mission work. And now 20, <laughs> you know, five years later, you know, 90% of my ministry has been at camp and in you yeah. know Central America serving. So it's kind of funny. God's like, yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's that's funny. Yeah, I I can I can relate to a, a certain respect because uh, growing up a pastor's kid, my my parents were always part of a team that would go down to Mexico and work in an orphanage. And I remember the first time going down, like I'm just pumped to go down to Mexico, not realizing that the part of Mexico I was going down to was not the resort part. And that was that was quite. An, an eye opener for me in, I guess, my first real taste of um, global missions or evangelizing in another part of the world. And so this kind of helps me segue into what I would love to talk about next is the evangelism component of YFC and the different initiatives like Calbreak and um, Gym Blast. You've been doing it for 22 years. How have you seen evangelism change from maybe when you started to, to where, where it's been now? I think when I started, there was still this idea of, I mean, I came from the generation and from a culture that it was very much about the, that moment, right? So whether it was an altar call or that moment where you raised your hand and you said the prayer, and that was an indication that you were saved. And I think mm. stepping into a place where what does evangelism look like? Even the, my first few summers working at camp, right? There was like a, a big push that at some point you need to take these kids on a one-on-one -on, -one, on a walk and you need to like ask them directly do you want to accept jesus as your savior right and get that prayer and then you count numbers and that was you know part of of how that training was you know and beginning to understand that the salvation process i mean it's it's such a unique expression the way that that jesus you know connects with people the way the holy spirit you know works in people it's just like I was I began to learn as I went along that it may not be as black and white, cut and dry. That it's a it's a it's a journey. It's like a mm. this beautiful journey that that we are on, and that it's not up to me. I think a lot of time I felt the pressure that it was up to me to convict these kids that they mm. were you know that they had to you know the whole turn and burn. We talk about that all the time, right. like you know right. that, that comes from that culture where it was like whether it comes from a, a place where they just wanted people to be saved, right? It's not like they had. But the, but the way that they did it was really about a lot of guilt and a lot of fear. And I feel mm. like that kind of was part of how I did evangelism at, at the start. In fact, it's kind of ironic. When I first started with Youth for Christ, my passion at that time was mentoring Christian kids, church kids, to try and give them a, a positive influence because I wanted to steer them away from some of the pressures of of the elementary and high school. And I did I saw so many Christian kids, you know, kind of give up on their faith. And I wanted to be there for them to say, hey, listen, you can do this. And yeah. one of the one of the concerns when I first started with YFC, the, the executive director at the time was wondering if I would ever develop a heart for the lost. Because he knew I had a heart for these these church kids, right? But mm -hmm. um and as I went along, I began to God really put that burden on my heart for for kids that just don't know Jesus. And I became actually yeah. a little more frustrated with church kids that know the right answers, that know how to say the right things at the right time. They know how to find the Bible verses, <laughs> you know, they, they're quizzers, whatever. Okay. No, 
That, hey, that was my line. Hey, just kidding. <laughs> you, you know, if you know how to how to stand up quickly and do with that, I, I, I never, I've never actually been to a, a quiz before. That wasn't, but I've I've heard that it's insane. It's intense. It is. It is. Uh, my wife Jasmine actually did quizzing, and uh, she'll 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 tell you that it it's it was super super intense. Yeah. Like you had some kids that get the Bible verse wrong and they're in tears, or the coach is like, "Come on!" Like that. But 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 besides the point. Um, yeah, that's that's such an interesting component because I've I know even in you know I, I haven't been doing ministry uh, for for twenty two years like like you have, but um, I've been around the church my whole life. I've been in e- evangelistic uh, environments my whole life, and one that one term that I've I've often heard people are often like, oh, it's so watered down now. You know, you used to just give people the the straight gospel and and those sorts of things. How do how do you respond? when those situations come up? I mean, it's tough, right? Because people have their, their perspective, they have their angle, they have a lot, I mean, their, their, their lens of how they see their faith and how they see evangelism. And I just have to remind myself that Jesus was all about, you know, contextual ministry, right? He was all mm-hmm. about understanding the context of where he was at, who he was speaking to, and trying to connect with them on a level that they would understand. And there's not yeah. like a one style fits every company, you know, like to try and have a cookie cutter approach where it's all going to fit. It's, it's not as simple. It's messy. It's, it's, you know, there's a lot of what I do is what we would call in, in some context, like planting seeds, right. Where, yeah. where we're not necessarily the ones that do the harvest, but we're the ones that are planting seeds and, and starting that process, right? And how God's going to use that and how he's going to, you know, I mean, scripture talks about some of these seeds, right? Some some just don't make it and some do, right? And so to know that I'm part of a bigger story, that I'm part of a bigger mm-hmm. journey, that it's not all up to me. And I think that's probably the best thing that I've learned in the last 22 years is that it's not about me, you know, like yeah. I'm just called to be steps to step out in, in obedience, right. And, and do what I'm called to do. And, yeah. but it's not, it's not up to me. It's not my job and how God's going to use the moment. And, and I've realized too, like some students are in my sphere of influence for maybe 10 days, or maybe it's like 10 months, or it could be 10 years. Like I have, I have students that I'm still connected with that I've known since they were, you know, seven, eight years old. I used to carry them on my shoulders at camp. Right. And now if I tried that, I would die because they're, you know, these, big dudes, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's perspective, right? And and so where that fits, it's like those those fabrics and the tapestry of of this journey, right? I, to not put too, so much pressure on myself that I have to like seal the deal and I got to do all this stuff and make sure this, like, did I communicate everything? Did I miss something? You know, like, in, okay, the four spiritual laws, like, what did I, did I like, gl- I, I think I glazed over the one part or do they really know uh, yeah, yeah. what what it means to be sanctified. Did I, did I explain that properly? Did I plain mm. sanctification? Did I miss that? Oh, dang. I, th- I knew I should have gone back to that. You know, like right. a lot of pressure. I think that people could be critical if they want about certain styles of ministry or approaches. And, and that's not up to me to, to determine how they feel about it. I'm just responsible for what God's called me to and be obedient with what God's placed yeah. in my hands and just pray that God's going to use it and he's going to multiply it. He's going to, you know, and that other people along the way in these students' lives are going to come and they're going to be another piece of that, of that story. 
right? And then yeah. it's uh, this beautiful expression of of faith that that comes from you know. I used to be super mad when I worked at camp um, because I would see these kids at camp that I literally had mentored for three or four years from non church families, whatever, and I was working so hard to get them to to accept Jesus, and then that one week, you know, some 19 year old kid, first time ever, you know, cabin leading. And he, and suddenly found out that he got to lead that kid to Christ and he got to pray that prayer with him. And I'm like, that was supposed to be my thing. I'm, mm. Like, that's unfair, God. Like that was my moment. That was my moment. Yeah. Right. And realized, no, it wasn't like, it's not about me. Right. It's like, God's going to yeah. do what he's going to do. And there's a lot of humility that comes from understanding, you know, how that all kind of plays out. And so it's, it's interesting for sure. I know there's so many different ways that people approach it and, and I'm just trying to be obedient and in the moment with what God's called me to do, right? Yeah. What What has that journey, I guess, been like for you? Like, uh, as you're kind of going through this process of, of one, being, you know, really driven by the zeal of leading someone to Christ and then kind of coming to the understanding of you have a different role in different seasons for different people, in their lives have you had like mentors in your life that have really been able to speak to some of those areas has it been uh or has it been a lot of just trial and error i think the beautiful thing about working for yfc youth unlimited is that we are across the country you know we have from coast to coast and i've been in this long enough that i've been able to develop some very uh significant relationships with people who have been in this thing for a long time longer than me and when we get together, you know, our, our national conferences or we have regional retreats where we come together and we just kind of share kind of some of the struggles, some of the, the opportunities. I think just listening to stories and hearing from those who have gone before, who are either have blazed the trail, who are, you know, finding unique ways to connect with the community of, of kids that they have in front of them. It's just a season of learning together. And realizing that, you know what, sometimes you try something, it doesn't work. That's okay. Yeah. You know, you don't have to like be super critical of it, but you analyze it, you evaluate, step back and up as my former, my former supervisor used to always say, step back and up to analyze the lay mm. of the land and figure out what worked, what didn't reevaluate. I mean, it's making mistakes as part of it. And I think that's just, sometimes you learn more from the mistakes than from the successes. So having, having a community of people within YFC that we can, that we can, you know, ask, how is it going for you? Or what's something that you've discovered that, that is a kind of a, an aha moment for you to use some Cal break language, but you know, like find ways to, to share that we're all, it's a struggle. I mean, there's days where ministry's tough. There's days where we just want to give up, right? Like we, yeah. we filmed a documentary last year during COVID because it was harder to have bigger kind of group, um, kind of gatherings, banquets to share, you know, the vision and the heart of YFC. So we, we made some documentary films and part of our film last year was just being real about the fact that there are days where we want to give up. There's days where we feel ineffective where we don't know if what we're doing is making a difference because there's so much opposition and there's so much doubt. And the, the, yeah. we have an enemy that's whispering into our ear. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, you shouldn't, it's not going to make a difference. Or you, we see these kids who are doing well and then there's a setback. Oh, there's a yeah. kid that's doing well. And then their addiction kind of kicks in again. And 
it's can be so tough because you feel like it's it can be feel very hopeless and yet we have this living hope right that goes before us that we that we cling to and that's you know sometimes that's all you have but that's sufficient right and so yeah you know but it's yeah it's it's really it's you know ministry is it's not for it's not for wussies you know you have to be ready right you got to be ready to take a lot you know um, even in the last few years, you know, students who you feel very, very close with, almost like family, and then out of nowhere, they just, they're gone. They just like, yeah. they ghost you, they, you know, you have no contact with them. They just, they remove you from their life without any, without any warning. Like, it's just, you know, so it's, yeah. it's, it's seasons like that where you just, there's a lot of questions that you end up having about calling and what you're what you're supposed to be doing and are you being faithful? And, um, and those are the days where you have to draw in and lean in, you know, and have, have that community of people to encourage and to affirm and to sharpen you and to, uh, to pray together and to just like reimagine what this can look like and allow God to just kind of work, work within us. So. Yeah. Yeah. You, you keep reiterating something that uh, is, is super important. Um, the aspect of community, like we uh, at AC, we just we just did a an event called the Leadership Summit, and one of the main one of the major components we were talking about was uh, our communal identity and how much of our, our identity is built in community, in our people groups, in our demographics, and and everything, and and how as leaders we have a very important job in inspiring community because it's a biblical principle. Jesus calls us to community. And so I guess as as now someone who is you're building teams, you're you're trying to pour into the next leaders for the different events that you're doing. What does that what does that kind of look like for you? Do is it purely people up apply at YFC or is it you like you go seek people out and then what are some of the ways that you you practically help them develop in their leadership abilities? Yeah, well, I think it goes back to one of our our core values, which we talk about all the time is, is we follow Jesus and we serve with excellence in order to offer hope, um, offer belonging and bring hope to to young people. Mm. And so the idea of community is good, but belonging is even better because you can be in community and not belong, but you cannot belong and not be part of a community. So I think for us, it's about that idea of, are we offering belonging? And, you know, it's one of those things where you can measure, did you offer it, whether kids engage it and accept it, or whether you're volunteers or your staff, right? That's something that's not under your control, but you could control. Are you setting up a situation where you are offering belonging to, mm. to people? And so I think that's attractive when, when you connect with something that's deeper and you become part of something that's bigger than yourself. And that allows like, and some of our volunteers, and we talked a lot about contextual ministry and how every Youth for Christ across the country, every YFC and Youth Unlimited, whatever, we have to look at our context and see who are the kids we're reaching, right? And so if you're doing ministry in North Van with snowboarders or skateboarders, that's going to look different than if you're, if you are doing ministry to farm kids in the middle of Manitoba somewhere or on the East coast yep. or, or in, in inner city Toronto. And so we take a look at our context and what's in front of us and how can we offer belonging to different things. So whether that is arts programs, we have a, a kind of an urban core floor hockey league that we have. We have 
the gym blast that goes to to schools. We have a, a teen moms program, you know, different things like that. So it's all about creating space. And I think volunteers and staff that see those opportunities, it like it strikes a chord with them and they they feel that that pull, like, how can I get involved in that? How can I be more engaged in that? Right. Yeah. Um, it's a tough go because as as full-time staff of YFC Youth Unlimited, we ha- we fundraise hundred percent of of what we make. So we we have to raise all the money for our programs as well as all the money to be fully funded for um to support you know the work that we do. So it is it can be a very daunting thing. So there's a lot of people that love what we do, but at that that one thing of having to fundraise, I think that a lot of people get so scared of that that they don't really, you know, they feel that that's gonna be a an obstacle for them. And so they don't really go to that next level. But yeah, for our volunteers, you know, we want to make sure that our volunteers and staff, that we are aligned in our, in our mission, that we are following Jesus. We're serving with excellence in order to offer belonging and bring hope to young people. And that's, that's the filter with which we kind of look through things, right. Is, is those kind of four things are, are happening. That's awesome. That's really, really good. And, and encouraging like that, you really got to be a united front, you know. Um, I think about uh, even, even, and we don't need to go down this rabbit hole, but I know uh, even when, you know, YFC was making the change to Youth Unlimited, a lot of people had their opinions and things to say. And I think sometimes the challenge is that because it's so big that, you know, one person's opinion uh people tend to naturally think that supersedes another, right? So, for example, just to give our listeners some honest context, Cal Break, and I'll say this from my own opinion, as someone who's got to be the speaker in previous year and this upcoming year, Cal Break really challenges the way we present the gospel or the way we have, we have looked at the gospel. We briefly touched on this already in the realm of evangelism and how we're, um, yeah, telling people about about Jesus. And and so in the realm of Calbreak, I guess, how did how did that come about? Like what how how long has it been going and like where where do you see it heading? It has a rich history uh way that goes way before my time. Uh so Calbreak for your listeners is short for California Breakaway. And it has happened since 1978. So over <laughs> awesome. over 40 years. So wow. Yeah. In fact, we had a, a trade show. We were set up at a local trade show and someone came by and, and they like, wait a second, is this the same California breakaway that I was on in 1985? Are you serious? Uh, so it started in 78 <laughs> oh, and I think it started with like some vans. I think the idea was there is something incredibly powerful when you come together and do a road trip, right? Yeah. And you are experiencing yeah. new things. And like healthy, safe travel, right? To have new perspectives, new vistas, especially from kids from Saskatchewan. And you think of 1978, the ability to travel and get around and see the world, you know, like we have so much accessibility these days, right? And we know so much about the world. But back then, to be able to take a trip with a bunch of friends and meet people and, and go to California and go to Disneyland and go to the beach and see these things, like that was, those are moments, right? Those are moments. Um. There was someone that told me that in the life of a teenager, there are five kind of milestone, pivotal moments, like anchors that they're going to look back that defined their adolescence. And I know that um, I've I've talked to uh, a few people who work at camps and stuff. There's Camp Quanos, I think, out in, in BC. Um, someone told me once that they want to own two of those. 
if a kid has five of those milestone, those like moments in their life that define, you know, their adolescence. So there's five of those mm-hmm. big moments, right? Like maybe getting the driver's license or some of those little things, but like Cam Qantas wanted to own two of those, right? That's what I heard. Maybe they've changed their mind. I don't know, but, <laughs> but I heard that I'm like, that's so, that's so crazy. You know, that there's being in, in, in high school, there's so many moments that are de- definitive, right. That help to shape who you mm-hmm. become and, and something about traveling and experiencing things. And on Cal break, we have what's called a five-star experience. And the fifth star is called aha moments, which is a moment. It's not just Oprah didn't say it, but um, moments of clarity, moment of inspiration where you see the world differently. And and sometimes just standing in front of the ocean for the first time is an aha moment. That's where you kind mm. of see yourself in the midst of creation. Uh, I mean, the Bible speaks about how God reveals himself <laughs> through the created world, right? And so yeah. the first time a kid sees a palm tree or the ocean, I mean, like there's a moment where they're connecting with Jesus at a level they don't even understand yeah. Um, but more than that, it's like when you part of Cal break, you are, you are part of something bigger. You belong. So we're very intentional to create that sense of belonging, that you are here, that you're here for a purpose. Right. And so I think the idea behind it was get kids together, do a road trip, share life together. Uh, this idea of this communitas experience, right? This, we talk about communitas as this kind of this Greek word. I think that refers to this, like it's a really intense community experience where you're sharing life together. And it's more than just being acquainted, but you're like sharing yeah. deep experience together. That's why camp is such an cr- incredible experience for kids. It's because it's that communitas. It's you're living together. You're sleeping close to, by each other. You're eating, you're playing together. You're worshiping together. All of these elements that are just so, in my mind, indicative of that early church experience of just that shared life. And so you get yeah. kids together and you share life and you give opportunities for them to have these aha moments. And it's crazy what God's going to do. And it's, you know, and I think back when it started, they probably was a bit more of, cause they had speakers and they had people communicating yep. and they whenever. And I think back then it was probably more of that, that model of altar calls and, you know, similar, we've kind of evolved over the years to, to be you know, to create a space where we can just build authentic relationships, safe relationships. Yeah. And if for the first time, some of these kids have these leaders who are, you know, not super old, but old enough that they have a different perspective, you know, in the mid twenties, whatever, and early thirties, but these adults that actually listen and care and are not judgmental that want to hear from yeah. them to hear their, how they, you know, how to, what shapes their worldview what has created the way that the lens that they see the world and to not try and push some ideology down their throat and try and force them or try to con- convince them or, or try to be coercive to try and make them believe what we believe, but let just, the Holy spirit do it. Yeah. Let the Holy spirit. And, and sometimes like, it's amazing when you just actually create a space where you're listening. And I tell my staff all the time, like as staff members, as we engage with each other, with grace and humility and kindness. Mm-hmm. These are qualities, you know, if you think of the fruits of the spirit, you know, self-control and patience and gentleness. And these are things that kids aren't always seen lived out in yeah. their lives, in their experiences. Yeah. And so as Christians, they might be second nature and me like obvious kinds of things we're trying to do. But for these kids, it's revolutionary when they see yeah. other adults. And so they begin to question like, what, what is it about 
Like some, there's something there that they want to investigate. And as we earn that right to begin to share our story yeah. with them and begin to share God's story in, in connected to our story, it's a powerful thing. And yeah. we've seen God use it. And it's, it's maybe for some people, they think, like you said, Chris, like it's, it's too light. It's too surface based. You're not digging in. You're not like trying to convict them or you're not like, you know, and, and yet God is saying, be faithful. These students are coming onto this trip and they're coming from a lot of different backgrounds and a lot of different situations and a lot of hurt and a lot of brokenness and a lot of addictions yeah. and a lot of things that that have shaped who they are and they're coming on this thing and they probably we see their expressions when they get on that bus for the first time like they're like oh man what have i done crap like i shouldn't be on here right now like this is going to be crazy and by yeah. the time we get to california you become like this dysfunctional family and you <laughs> you just learn how to how to live together and share space and and god's just working and doing crazy things and and the fact that last time we went in 2019 was our last time we went before the, the pandemic hit. Uh, we do exit interviews with the students on the way back, on the bus ride back, and ask them questions about how did you rate these different beaches and theme parks and different restaurants and things. But there's also a spot where we say, how did you feel about what, what Troy you know, had, had said about his journey? his faith story did that resonate did you have questions about that and then we have an opportunity for them to to say like do they want a bible that's easy to read do they want to get plugged into a small group in in a church somewhere do they want prayer for something and there's a spot where they say do you want to begin to move forward in, in, a, in a new relationship with god and out of you know 80 some students we had i think it was like 27 percent of our students indicated they wanted to begin a relationship with God. Right. So good. And it's just like, so good. And that's not a forced kind of thing. It's just an organic Holy spirit working. Yeah. And 10 days of beautiful experience leading up to this moment where they begin to understand that they have value and that God has a bigger purpose for their life. And yeah. And sometimes they don't really connect with that until later on, maybe it's five, 10 years, but I had a conversation with someone that was on the trip in 2004, five, and he looks back and he's like, I didn't realize it then, but those 10 days changed my life and changed wow. the way that even the way that I, heck, he's a dad now, he has a family, it's like the way that I parent, the way that I look at the world. I look back at that time, that very, that pivotal moment in my life where I needed to see something different. And I did. And you guys, you know, the way that you just loved on us and you just were so real with us. Um, yeah. It changed things and it's beautiful. It's a, it's a mysterious thing, man. It's so mysterious, yeah. you know, like as much as I've learned about systems and processes and formulas and frameworks, and that's all fine. At the end of the day, a lot of that gets, get, you just got to throw it away and just like trust God. Right. <laughs> and, to, and to your guys' credit, I think one of the things one of the things that I love so much about Calbreak is they select kids within a, a sphere of reach that they can minister to afterwards. And that's super important, like it, between Saskatoon and Regina and the close surrounding areas. And you pick leaders from those places to be able to connect with them after Calbreak. And that is, as someone who has been a speaker, um, been an artist, and I've gone to different events, it's always a challenge for me because... Sometimes you have a speaker and the kids really connect with them and they really want to get to know them. But the truth is, like, for myself, I'm only one guy. 
And so I love that you guys bring leaders that are not only, maybe they're meeting them for the, for the first time, or maybe they've been in youth group with them for five, 10 years, whatever it is, but they get to then go back with them and continue to develop, to develop with them. And that's something that I, I just kudos to you guys for, for doing that. Has that always been the case? Well, there's always been one of the challenges was how do you do follow up? Because we, like yeah. I said before, sometimes you realize that that these students that were in your sphere of influence for, for those ten days, and that was all that it was supposed to be, right? And yep. you were faithful yep. with those ten days, and sometimes it it develops into a longer relationship. Or in proximity, it's tough. We have a big province; Saskatchewan is pretty spread out. And so, yeah. and we do have a lot of students that come from small towns where they're a couple hours away from the main centers and they may not have a vibrant faith community in their small towns. And mm-hmm. it's been really challenging to know how do you keep engaging them, especially those that want to learn more, that want to go, go farther on this journey. Because there are honestly, there's some kids that they have a great time. They, you know, they have no objections to what, what was presented or with conversations that they had, but when they go back home, that's it. They're, they're kind of like, I'm done with that. It was awesome. Loved it. But that's, they don't have any interest in moving to another level and that's okay. And that was something I had to be okay with is like, we were faithful in that moment and God's going to keep working in their life and they're God's kids, not mine. Right. Then there's other kids that are, that are hungry for more that want to take that those next steps and so obviously if they're in a center like saskatoon or regina or moose jaw or there's places where we can get them connected we we do our best to try and make those connections happen and we've had some students end up becoming part of youth groups and camps and other kinds of experiences um, even other yfc experiences i had some a student once come on cal break and the next year he applied to come on, on a project serve trip to nicaragua right so that was like another way that happens it doesn't happen for every kid but right for those that you know that are looking for more you know we try and get them plugged in as best we can and use our connective our our kind of the circles of influence and that we have to to try and get them yeah. plugged in i i would say now in 2022 some of that is a lot easier because of of technology and we're able to if one yeah. thing we've learned over the last 2 years is you know, Zoom calls and like different things. Or there's ways to to make it happen if you're intentional about it. And it may not be yep. the most perfect scenario all the time, but it's something that we have access to. And so yep. proximity now doesn't become necessarily as much of a factor in being able to to stay connected. We do have tools now that allow us to to do that beyond the the ten days of the trip. Um, mm-hmm. But obviously, the ideal situation is to be able to have that reach where, where we can connect and, and, but again, God does cool things. Like there's students from Regina who end up coming to Saskatoon for university. And then they're, they're close by. We have the ability to connect with them while they're here, or they go to university and they see other kids from Cal break who are in there's their kinesiology class. And they're like, Hey, Cal break, you know, so you never know how God's gonna, how God's gonna orchestrate all this. And so again, it's about being obedient, faithful with what you have. So good. Well, yeah, as we as we come to a close, uh, just want to say thank you again, Corwin, for for joining us on the AC podcast today. It it's it's always exciting to just be hearing how God is moving in other ministries across Canada and your heart behind it. If people wanted to support Calbreak or or support YFC Saskatoon or you, how how would they go about doing that? Uh, obviously, we yeah we depend on partners to make this go. We can't do this on our own, and so. 
We're so thankful for the partners that help uh, fuel the fire that we have to, to bring hope to students and bring belonging to students. So we have a website, uh, yfcsask.com. And from there, you can find staff pages, find ways to give, that kind of thing. Um, right now, you know, because of, of COVID taking a bit of a, a hit out of a lot of different industries, travel industry for mm-hmm. sure, there's a lot of things that were out of our control in terms of prices going up and fuel, all that yeah. kind of stuff. So we try and keep the fees reasonable so that students can be a part of this trip. But this is a kind of an, an, an odd year for us because there's a lot of extra expenses now that there's fewer students this year than, than traditionally. Because I think there was still some hesitancy for, for travel. For sure. But we have, yeah. we have 38 students. And we are so excited because we feel that God has handpicked each one of them to be on this trip for this year. And we can't wait to see what, he, what he's going to do. So there's a couple of, of uh, opportunities to, to give. We have some transportation issues because with, with one bus, you to try and get kids to different options. So we have, you know, shuttling to kids that want to do. Uh, so how, this is kind of cool. You know, one of the days on, on Cal break, you have an option to either go to the beach and hang out at the beach, Newport beach, one of the nicest in the world. Or you can go to inner city LA, Skid Row, and serve with LA Mission and put together food hampers and serve people. And so we wanted to see, you know, like what would kids want to do? And half of the students on the trip this year have said, I want to go serve on Skid Row. That's killer. So it's beautiful, right? That's Um, killer. But for us, because we only have one bus instead of like two or three, now we have to rent, you know, some some shuttles to get them downtown. So we're trying to raise some money for that. And so there's opportunities for that. So, you know, if they go to if they go to to yfcsas.com and they find my page, they can send an email right from there and they can say, Hey, how can I get involved? I can send more information. Um, or they can send an email to me directly at calbreak at yfc.ca. And they can reach out and if they want more information on how to get connected or if you have listeners who are in Saskatchewan and they have families and they have students they may know in high school for future years to get them uh, plugged into this trip, we would love to, to chat more. Um, yeah, like I said, YFC is doing some incredible things within our community. Uh, I love the fact that my staff are, were being so innovative. So everything from skateboard ministry to equine therapy and young moms and arts and paintball and drop in and, and hockey and cow break. So there's a lot of cool things going on and we would love to chat more with anyone that wants to know more about what we're doing and how we are bringing hope to hurting kids. That's awesome, man. Well, again, thank you so much, Corwin, for joining us. Again, listeners, I will be heading with Corwin and the cow break team in just a little 10 days time, just about. We're going to be heading off to, to California. So we would We'd appreciate your prayers for safety and, and ultimately those, those aha moments where youth make big decisions for their lives or at least consider God on this, on this trip. So we, we thank you so much. Again, we're going to have those links in order to support or kind of follow along with, with Cal Break and what Corwin is doing. Those will be in all of the show notes. And uh, again, thank you so much for listening to the AC Podcast. It is a ministry of Apologetics Canada. So make sure you like and subscribe on all of your favorite platforms. And tune in next week as we find more things to think about. Till then, love God, love people. Bye for now.